Christoph, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about um, food online again. It's uh, the delivery market um, we are talking about. You are performance uh, marketing uh, director of the Takeaway Group. I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest, delivery group in this uh, um, business. So please tell our listeners who you are and what exactly Takeaway is. Thanks, Alex. Uh, good, to uh, good to be here and uh, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm Christoph. I'm uh, performance marketing director at Just a Takeaway. And we, as you said, we are one of the biggest players in the global uh, online food delivery space. So in general, we have uh, formed ourselves as part of uh, a combination of a couple of groups that have started on very early in this food delivery space. So uh, actually being the pioneers, you could say, One uh, was here in the Netherlands, where I'm also based here in Amsterdam, um, which was uh, Jitze Groen, who founded uh, uh, Takeaway.com here in, in this uh, food delivery hub, which it still is. Um, and on the other end, we are uh, Just Eat, is, uh, which came in, into the group um, a couple of months ago, years ago now, um, which was founded also in the years 2000 in Denmark. Um, also very early on, if you see that, Only in the past, let's say, eight to 10 years, the food delivery space has really um, uh, evolved and flourished. Uh, and then the last one, uh, which was another acquisition that, uh, that happened in the, last, um, in the last one and a half years, was uh, GropUp um, in the US, which was also founded in, in, in 2004 already. So as you can see, three um, business models that were started up very early. Um, and uh, basically shape this space um, very early on. And that, that actually explains um, the, um, the many domains uh, you are owning. If you're looking at the Wikipedia uh, um, page from Just Eat Takeaway, you see in Austria, it's uh, Lieferando, uh, it was Lieferservice AT, in Brazil it's iFood, in Bulgaria it's Takeaway, in Germany it was um, um, Lieferando, uh, no, it was uh, Pizza.de, Fudora, Lieferheld, now it's Lieferando. So it, that's, that makes it a bit harder like for the analysts like me to follow this market because there's so many names now um, yeah. flying around. Yeah. Um, and we heard it also with, uh, with Mickey in the uh, in the. Uh, in the podcast uh, with Walt. So it's, it's very hard actually to differentiate. So what, what is what? Um, if we are going back a couple of years, um, uh, the belief in the market was that it is a winner takes it all market. Um, that, that's what, how it was sold actually to, uh, to the market. And that's how we saw it. I think after, after the settlement in, in Germany where, um, uh, where Lieferando was, um, was one of the winners, it was actually a settled market. We believed. And now it feels um, everything is starting over um, again. It is not a winner-takes-it-all market. Um, and you can look at this and analyze it from a performance marketing perspective. You, you probably see like waves in, uh, in, in marketing spendings on the different channels. So what's your perspective on this winner-takes-it-all um, uh, um, theory in this market? Yeah, it's, it's of course still uh, a relevant one uh, it, it, and it will not go away. So the The uh, general theme is that um, uh, we, are, we are a marketplace uh, predominantly and uh, we are a business model that thrives on strong cohorts. So we acquire, we acquire customers and we uh, keep them. So we make them sticky. They order and reorder over years. And, and the, uh, this behavior that we shape with these customers 
is what allows us to become profitable in a very, very uh, competitive market. So by f we, we are not able to repay a cost, uh, repay back a customer for ourselves with the investment we are making in a couple of weeks. So it needs a couple of uh, months in order to get there. And uh, we need also strong cohorts that have developed over years that can um, yeah, allow for this competitive approach in the market. And we have actually been um, quite good, as you referred to in Germany, to build a case around acquiring customers at a rate, um, knowing that we would be able to pay back when we can win the market. So that's that's also what happened. It was a very, very strong battle with Delivery Euro in, uh, in, in the years um, already starting from 2009, 2010, when Lieferando was founded by uh, Jörg, who's still on the board here at, um, at justtheTakeaway.com. Um, and uh, these, these investment rates that we have seen back then, they were, you know, they are sometimes hard to, to grasp. And this has, this has changed uh, until now. Um, so we have become a lot more profitable, a lot more sensible from most sides, you could say, um, uh, since everybody in the industry understands that um, this uh, fight, to, fight to win uh, shifts also into a direction of not only land grabbing and buying customers and market share on the short term, but it's you know, buying and, and building cohorts that are lasting and sustainable in the long run. Um, so that for a marketplace that that is really uh, obvious with you know with other players now coming in um, in the grocery space this this has uh, get uh, gotten to a new dynamic but at a different scale the dynamic here is well they really need to build uh, um, a smaller area so hyper targeted and be strong um, in building uh, their customer base in a part of a city. Uh, where where they where do they where they do fierce fierce investments still um, sponsorships you know still reaching national level as you could see gorillas uh, um, uh, supporting Bundesliga sponsoring Bundesliga sponsoring uh, PSG you know very very big deals um, but still there on that on their side it's still much about the profitability they need to create in the in the operational efficiency in the operation uh, operational excellence. Uh, that they have to build so um, it's not a market with um, with this model um, where you can say okay you push each other out right it's not uh, that one or the other um, is, is is gonna you know hand over all all of the sudden um, there will be consolidation but not not that kind of consolidation that um, has happened between the the marketplaces uh, back in the beginning of the uh, of the 10 years and, and, and can you um, can you elaborate a little bit the business model? So you said marketplaces. Marketplaces comes with different sides. So obviously you are the marketplace operator uh, from a uh, from a takeaway perspective. But um, then we have the customers uh, that are eventually like selecting restaurants. So how does how does it work? Like from a restaurant perspective, uh, from a restaurant owner perspective, from a customer perspective, and does it differ from market to market? So is it the same model in Germany compared to Italy, for example, or in Spain, or is it like a different model there? No, in general, we are a marketplace model um, and we also do have a delivery model and that is the case in all our markets. So we, we, are, we now are active in more than 20 markets across the globe, reaching from, you could say, Alaska to New Zealand. Um, and uh, in all of those markets, we uh, only run a marketplace where restaurants deliver themselves. But we also offer 
a, a delivery um, uh, delivery model um, to those restaurants um, that uh, that has grown very much uh, in the past, let's say four four years. Um, we've expanded um, uh, greatly in the in the space, and this the share of orders uh, also has uh, grown in that space since. We also see that there's a diff different, um, let's call it a development stage coming in with also the com you know the um, the other players that have uh, helped develop this market um, and uh, predominantly focusing on the delivery part, lesser on the marketplace. Okay, let's go back to the options. Like from a restaurant owner, let's say I own like a small Italian restaurant in in, in my mid-sized town. So um, then then I have different options. So a, I could say um, people people can can just call me and pick stuff up. So instead of like reserving a, a table and 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 eat um, uh, in the restaurant, they can just order via telephone, which is like for small Italian restaurants still uh, the main case from what yeah. I what I understood. Then sometimes these restaurants ha have kind of a delivery service um only a very few of them have because it doesn't make sense for smaller restaurants uh because they don't have like the um the the frequency um they would need in order to um to scale this delivery um service when they do have this delivery service they are rather focusing on delivery so not so much on in-house uh, um, um consumption and uh and um and they usually before um before the start of um companies like you like, like Lieferando, for example or pizza.de they try to acquire the customer directly and now you are coming in um, to this restaurant and say okay please use takeaway or please use Lieferando in uh in germany um because we are giving you more customers a better operation model the software the marketing power so what is it what what would the restaurant owner like me convince uh con what would convince me eventually to join uh to join my operations um or to to combine my operations with Lieferando? in the end i believe it's uh, as we're a two-sided marketplace which you said uh, uh very well the the convenience part that needs to sell it right so it's on it's the convenience part on the consumer side and it's also the convenience part on the restaurant side it's not not having to worry about anything uh on um uh on on the on the delivery side meaning that they can uh, leave it to a partner um to bring in this incremental revenue which which it is so we 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 know for a fact that we help um restaurants grow their revenue substantially once they uh, once they become part of the platform um, and then do that in a way that is uh, without much hassle um, that that is the the general offer um, that we can make because yeah of course there there's still a strong habit of um, uh, calling via telephone but it's still uh, a, a lot harder to manage that and in, in, if um, partners or restaurants would not have seen this benefit in the past years, we would not have been able to acquire more than 600,000 restaurants across the globe. Um, so I, there must be a strong case. How many restaurants would usually participate in a mid-sized town? Uh, you know, I used uh, uh, Kiel as an Kiel example. Is yours, <laughs> usually like 250,000 people living in Kiel, more or less. Uh, I don't know how many restaurants uh, uh, are located in Kiel, but like in such a city. So what is like the share of restaurants participating on a platform like uh, Lieferando? 5%, 10%, 30%? 
Well, that's a hard question. Um, I think it, it depends a lot on the city because if you see, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I now live in Amsterdam. Amsterdam is, is not a very big city. You know, it's, it's roughly 900,000 people. Mm -hmm. But still the amount of um, types of restaurants that are available here, given also to, to the structure, uh, lots of um, uh, tourists, etc. that so a very thriving uh, uh, Horeca um, uh, environment here. And we see a lot more restaurants, a lot more inventory here than compared to a million-sized city in Germany, right? So also, in, in even even in in uh, a town of two hundred fifty thousand in Germany would show a very different uh, penetration um, on our website or on our app um, than a mid-sized town in in the UK or in uh, in, in the Netherlands, just to the due to the maturity of the market. Um, and also to the habit of eating out and how many restaurants there are. So it, it's very hard to say that, you know, there's a general percentage of uh, restaurants that you can acquire. We, we try to acquire every possible restaurant to bring it on the platform. We believe that, you know, it's about the selection for the customer um, that needs to be as big as possible. So we try to bring on everyone that we can. Um, so we don't have like a rule of thumb to say, okay, it needs to be those five percent or ten percent of the total restaurant space that we have in, in the city and um when the restaurant is joining uh this platform um there is like two options when it comes to de delivery the restaurant can say okay i have my own delivery fleet so I, i can use them or you would offer delivery capacities to this uh, restaurant and therefore get a higher take rate for example is this yeah. correct yeah exactly so we uh we we, we offer the the delivery service part And that means um, that uh, uh, this this has to be um, yeah this has to be managed. There's cost attached, the cost that uh, also the restaurant would have to a similar extent if they if they would be uh, hiring their own drivers, um, and that's then part of uh, of our remuneration model. Yeah. Okay, and and that brings me like to the next uh, to the next question. So um, when when we are talking to um, you can take like every industry, every business model, there's this um, war for talents. And uh, especially with this new super fast delivery services uh, boom last year with uh, Flink and Gorillas, there um, you heard your stuff, you heard stuff like uh, people were paid like um, uh, cash or hand money, uh, that though they would change their uh, employer. Don't drive for Flink, drive for Gorillas, for example. There, there seems to be a shortage of like, Yes, service personnel, I would say. People that are doing the delivery, people that are like, I don't know, washing the dishes, even like in the restaurants, uh, um, which I know here in, 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 in my in environment, sometimes they have a hard time to operate um, uh, normal hours and they yeah. choose to close like for lunchtime, for example, because they just don't have the yeah. personnel anymore. Um, and even some smaller cafes in Uh, in prime locations, really prime locations, always booked out. They cannot operate on, I don't know, Tuesday and Thursday because they don't have the staff anymore. Uh, is, is this something you also see in your industry or is it still possible to hire mm, delivery drivers for, for, for a reasonable uh, price? It's definitely still possible. It, it very much depends on your scale in your brand uh, the, the, and, and the operations that you have in the background. So I, we also do see that we, we kind of have a pre-COVID, COVID and post-COVID uh, labor market situation. 
Um, and uh, in the, uh, it's, we, since COVID, it, it seems like we're still in, you know, also with, uh, just like with the supply chains, still in a bullwhip situation where things haven't normalized yet. And somehow um, people have, you know, uh, found new areas to work in um, and, you know, posing huge challenges for, mm. for restaurants. So even I have this example of, uh, of a Burger King, which is really downtown Amsterdam here. Um, and that ha that was still closed a couple of weeks ago in, with with the notice that there's still there's no no staff available. So um, yeah, we have you you know you have the general parcel delivery players, you have grocery delivery players, you have super fast delivery players, you have food delivery players, and they're basically all fishing in the same pond. So they they're looking for a similar target audience um, to work for them. Which is good for that uh, for that audience, right? They have lots of choices um, and now because everybody seeks them, um, and uh, yeah, we do see that that uh, uh, there are players in this market that are willing and able to pay really high. Uh, we call them sign-on bonuses, so hand money, in, um, but uh, sign-on bonuses, and uh, that is in certain uh, cities with a certain pressure that is needed in order to to be able to compete. And yeah, the, the, that makes it challenging um, for, you know, the, the Italian restaurant you're referring to, to compete then against um, a, a company that has just received, um, I don't know, a, a check of a billion dollars from Tiger Global without even asking um, uh, for the balance sheet. So that, that um, you know, it's a, it creates an imbalance in the market with uh, so much cash available that, yeah, they don't care. It's just about the growth. And that also trickles down in, um, in uh, what they're able or willing to pay for hires, which are, you could say, the blood of the, of, of the, of the business model because you need them in the operations. Uh, mm -hmm. Otherwise, if, if there's nobody to deliver, there is no revenue. Yeah, you talked about like uh, pre-COVID uh, and post-COVID uh, uh, conditions. So pre-COVID, it was already tough. Uh, um, so even 2019, it was not so easy. Then during COVID or during Corona peaks, I understand that um, many uh, restaurants had like problems, many um, hotel business had had problems, and therefore those people decided to go into other jobs, even people working at airports or so, yeah. uh, which makes ramping up airport, airport operations now so, so difficult, like ch chose to, to, to go in, the, in, in a different um, job area. Um, and some of them um, have chosen uh, the delivery uh, model. So during COVID, during this kind of peak time when people um, stayed at home and, and ordered even more um, out of home food, were you able to like to ramp up the the operations in uh, um, in a way how I described it? So was it easy to get like the hotel employees into your business? And do they stay now when hotels are opening up and uh, delivery business is going back to normal or back to normal growth rates? I would say um, we 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 don't have this great resignation that that we that everyone is talking about now. We 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 don't see that. Um, and during the period uh, of ramp up, um, we were in the, yeah, let's call it um, beneficial situation that we have a strong marketplace model, which does not require um, that, that manual uh, support, that manual workforce mm. um, to the same extent. But uh, we were also expanding on that side massively. So in that time, um, we, were, um, uh, we were also making changes 
in how we are setting up our um, employment model uh, in certain markets that were uh, acquired. So we've, uh, we did a massive ramp up in terms of uh, bringing, um, bringing people onto, onto, onto contracts in uh, markets like Italy, for example. And that was a that was a huge challenge um, to do that in a you know fairly short amount of time, but um, it was still possible. So on the one hand, we make we use our performance marketing channels for lead creation. So that's something that I'm responsible for with my team, and I do that for uh, most of the markets that we operate in. So we use search, uh, we use um, affiliate marketing in order to create those leads, and then we have an operations team. Um, that you know um, is the machine that then turns those leads into into candidates and brings them um, to their first shift um, on the street to deliver to deliver our food. Uh, it's but that needs that needs a, a well old machine um, to deliver that, and yeah, we ramped up uh, uh, massively. So in terms of in terms of the growth that we went through during those times, it was uh, you know a couple of hundred percent um, that we had to push through and only. I don't know, three, four months. Um, and so uh, yeah, I would say probably a year ago, that was pretty much the peak of, um, of, of that trend. Mm. Okay, got it. So in, in, can you confirm that, in, uh, um, that the performance marketing prices also went up during Corona? Because that is what we are hearing in so many podcasts. So Tarek said it uh, um, about in, in the About You podcast. So there, were, there was less opportunity in uh, um, out-of-home media, trade show media, uh, even, even the standard newspaper paper, um, uh, bookings uh, went down. So more money was funneled into the digital channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning the cost, customer acquisition costs um, kind of went crazy for lots of business models. And, and you already said, so even before Corona, it was a tight business model. It was not profitable with like the first purchase. Uh, you were calculating on a customer lifetime value model where you needed, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 orders on the, on the app uh, to, to, get the, to get your money back or to get like a return on invest on the initial uh, marketing um, investment. So h- how, how do you see this development? Um, to be honest, there was a mix. Um, the, so the first wave, um, two years, you know, it sounds weird, but it was already two years mm-hmm. ago, right? Um, we saw this massive peak um, in, in terms of generic keywords um, that are related to delivery in all languages across all markets. So what we had to do, we had to be really careful um, in our uh, bidding uh, around those keywords to find out, you know, what are now the relevant ones that are really intending to order food. Um, that, that, was, that was a challenge there. And we did see a spike in cost um, for a very, very short time, which we then managed. Um, over time, this has, this has uh, developed well. So I'm, uh, in, in, the demand was still very high. Um, and so we could flourish and uh, given uh, our, you know, the position that we have built already up until then in, in these platforms, uh, the likes of Google, et cetera, has also helped um, because, you know, if you have continuous, uh, continuous strong investment beforehand, um, then um, uh, it also hits you uh, at a different rate, you could say, when other mm-hmm. players are suddenly bidding up. And um, of course, we had to manage that. Um, but it doesn't. It, I could not say 
that it has uh, harmed us um, uh, in the in the mid in the mid in the mid run. Going back to the question of like performance marketing uh, um, levels in other podcasts with Tarek from About You and many other companies in the in in all different industries, we saw like a a spike in uh, performance marketing costs uh, or click costs because many companies shifted their out of home media budget into the digital channels, LinkedIn, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Um, and um, this led to a situation where many models that uh, were on an operational, on a profitable path before uh, had to say, no, sorry, I have to stop spending uh, marketing money, money on those auction channels because I, I cannot afford the customer mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. And you already said that um, this kind of phenomena you had uh, in your industry, obviously like before the consolidation in your industry, but even now you're running a customer lifetime value model uh, where you're spending um, where you're spending in a way that only after five, 10, 15 purchases on your on your on your app, um, the uh, the customer becomes profitable for your business. So how do you see it, or what have you seen uh, during Corona uh, when it comes to performance marketing um, costs? Well, we we um, did not see it to the same extent, I must say. So, but that also is related to a strong position in those channels that we continuously had over the years. So you you build a position, you build a top position, and it takes some time for um, com competitors in the auction to bid up to an extent that you that they reach levels where you were outbid in your um, uh, where your CPOs in the end or CPAs. Uh, reach a level um, that, that that is not affordable anymore. So mm -hmm. I, I think you know affordable sounds really harsh, but it also indicates that if businesses have these or had these challenges in these times, that they are very much relying on these channels. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for us, it's a really strong mix of direct channels that are mainly built by you know TV, out of home, you know, big reach media building top of mind awareness, which uh, uh, reduces the liability on uh, re dependability on those on those click channels, let's call them auction based channels. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I we, we did see certain times where this peaked and uh, and we had to manage against but we it was never at to a level where we would say, okay, we have to drop out or, um, you know, we've, we've seen much worse in terms of competition um, uh, in in uh, battles that we that we had. In certain markets um, some years ago so nothing that that uh, we we couldn't manage from a tv and out of home space uh, that that was uh, uh, i believe a bit more challenging uh, in terms of cost increase that that was mm. suddenly there um, but also here we've um, we've run strategies for years uh, and these uh, strategies they also mean that uh, um, yeah we can book ahead uh, uh, media ahead uh, of time um, and uh, that gives uh, you a certain, uh, you know, also strength within the market, uh, which means that you're not, uh, yeah, yeah, pushed out by a sudden, uh, by a sudden other player coming in. So one way to compensate for this higher costs on the um, custom acquisition sites is um, called retail media. That's what we see with other platforms. They are selling media space on their platforms. Obviously. Uh, this would mean in your case, you would sell me as the Italian restaurant owner, you would say, Alex, you know, you have a good assortment, you have some customers that order uh, with your Italian restaurants, but you know, we have a new opportunity here for you. Let's say that's the Monday pizza opportunity. We have like a main banner on the pizza category, which you can uh, buy and we would promote you. 
leading to even more um, customers for your business and you would charge me obviously um, this is retail media this is actually where how the amazon ad ecosystem uh, was was created this is something which you which you offer which you plan to offer um, yes, we we are, we, are, we we do see that there's a trend into this direction for everyone. You know, everybody who sees the thirty billion figure that Amazon is making out of this business uh, um, um, gets interested. Let's say, um, and we also have opportunities for restaurants to promote themselves, and I think that's a it's a great opportunity for restaurants uh, when coming to the platform early um, to promote themselves and you know uh, uh, really see the impact that the, the platforms the platform can make um, the, the so, so the benefit here is also that they can choose themselves right so they can choose to invest they can uh, steer the investment they can control the investment so we are um, we are able to offer uh, a top placement meaning uh, where you how you rank in, in the search results for your uh, for your area we will always only show restaurants that are relevant right so uh, if somebody searches um, for a restaurant that is outside of the uh, relevant delivery area um, uh, it, it, um, we will not prioritize this restaurant so it always needs to be relevant for the consumer um, but if that's the case then we offer placements um, um, that are you know prioritized based on a let's call it a, a, a bid mechanism um, and that is planned also to be, uh, uh, um, you know, expanded to an extent where it's beneficial for the restaurant. Mm. And is this? And, and do you, do you have experience with those? How is it called? Dark dark restaurants that, that don't have even like a, a storefront anymore, but only work for like delivery uh, delivery platforms uh, like yours. Where my understanding was that could be a smart initiative by the platforms themselves because they definitely um, get a little bit more independent from the restaurant owners and then and they could invest in an area in an, I don't know, in an, in an assortment or in like a food niche, which is not available in a city. Maybe in Kiel, there's not so many good Asian restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's not true, but there's no Indian restaurant, for, for example. That's a niche you could fill via a platform with like a, a dark, kitchen is it called dark kitchen dark store dark kitchen. Uh, model yeah the yeah. dark kitchen model have you experience with that no to be honest i don't because uh, as a business we we um are not we, we have a we have a strategy not to uh, allow those actually um since we believe that there there needs to be a certain quality and certain trust to restaurants so it's also for me you know as a, as a customer i would find it weird to see a restaurant and um it it looks like a really poppy interesting vietnamese place uh, and then you get the food delivered but you you know you it's it's coming from you don't know where it's coming from so you cannot yeah. relate to it no so, google, no google maps entry no nothing right so you, there's uh, there the, the the trust level of the consumer has to be really high and on the other end it's also there there's a high uh, responsibility then on the platform side to manage that quality um, which is something that is um, that can also be an operational challenge, and in certain markets that is something where you yeah we need to we need to uh, take a very close look you know for for example in the UK where everything uh, around you know uh, health and safety is regarded very very highly um, these things um, uh, become become even more at play but yeah I do know that competitors. Um, uh, play that uh, strategy um, and some better than others 
um, but for ourselves we have not and we don't see um, a strong um, uh, you know we don't see any negative impact uh, on our performance due to that yeah what are the economies of scale in your business so you are now very successful in many countries uh, let's say um, uh, you want to expand in a country where there's no operations yet i don't know let's let's take turkey i don't know if there's like a turkish uh, operation uh, um, yet are there economies of scale is there something uh, beyond the platform the technology uh, um, that helps you scale in a, in a new market or are you dependent on acquiring a local platform that already has some uh, some success with uh, uh, with with customers it, it's always a you know we, we're always a combination of a good platform um of a market that that is ready for either a new or another uh, player uh and uh, then also a brand um the the we, we do have brands that are you know they're reaching across many markets also with you know the sponsorship Uh, of the UEFA um, uh, championship and the Euros uh, last year. Uh, I think uh, many people around at least Europe uh, have seen and the world have seen our brands appearing, which obviously helps, right? So I think that, that mix uh, uh, is, is helping to have a good product and to have a strong brand helps you enter the market. But uh, we talked about these, uh, about these cohorts um, so if we decided now to go into Turkey, um, you know, there in Turkey, there is, there's a market leading player for years. Um, we would have to go up against this player to take share um, and build cohorts um, at a massive investment rate, um, which, yeah, I, I'm, uh, we see that. Let's, let's use the German example. Um, so uh, uh, um, um, a competitor... Uh, tried to re-enter the market with a brand that they have used in um, uh, other markets before. Um, when was it last summer? Uh, I think that, yes, I think, yeah. yeah. Food Panda yeah. came in, into Germany again last yeah. summer. And the, <clears throat> the, um, uh, it, was a, it was a very bold experiment, I must say, given you know, also the, the, the way that the market structured um, Uh, uh, to, to try again, on, not only on the food delivery, but then also on the grocery side, both at the same time. Um, and they, it was very quickly visible that it was not sustainable and that they, they could not reach uh, mm. enough scale quickly enough with the investment that was planned in order to make it work in the long run. Um, and yeah, that's what I would assume in, in, uh, in established markets. Um, you know, you use Turkey, for example, it would be very, very hard for us to now builds up something from scratch. It's, uh, it's, uh, that's not what we have seen working also in the markets where we are, uh, where we are strong. Mm. And, um, okay, that, that's super interesting. And yes, I think all, many people that are listening here um, follow this kind of experiment, uh, which, has ended, uh, which has ended already. Um, uh, when it comes to uh, your platform, um, uh, your platform USPs, uh, um, I, I would guess that a big, part of the team is working in on the tech side really working on the on the platform revenue is roughly between like four to five million euros uh, from takeaway if i see the numbers correctly 2021 i think it was four and a half million four and a half billion euros uh, no, um, no it's, it's 28 billion in in uh, uh, in, in gtv yeah 
So in the, that's what's running across the platform. That's running across, but the 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 inside revenue, like the uh, premium revenue, is is, is, is five billion. It's five billion, yeah. roughly. Okay, let's focus on let's focus on this this revenue, not not on the um, on the GMB. Uh, yeah. um, but um, and there's uh, roughly five thousand people working in the company. Uh, is this correct, or is it far away from from? Truth? I think it's it, I think it's more now by now. It, I, I must say it, it's hard to you know, keep track well how we are growing, uh, but it's, it's, oh, but it's that's, that, that. that's, that's more or less the direction. So, and like from an outside in perspective, I would say okay, most likely fifty percent of those people are working on the platform experience. I don't know, mm -hmm. connecting your restaurants, building new features, managing the all the apps in the different. Uh, um, different uh, um, uh, different markets mean that like if you look only on the inside revenue not not the GMV that uh, that um, that is like roughly two to five million per IT um, FTE so because let's say everybody who's working on the web experience is is, is IT uh, let's say yeah. so but uh, now taking the outside <laughs> the inside out perspective so how many people are really working on the on the platform um yeah it depends on how you structure it so in 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 terms of tech and product mm -hmm. um it's 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 a large number it's 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 uh it's i believe it's uh more than um more than uh more than 1500 people that actually work okay. on 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 the product um, but you know we we we're coming from a situation where we we have um uh, acquired Grubhub, which has a product and tech mm -hmm. team yeah. Um, we have acquired uh, Just Eat that has a product and tech team. We have uh, the legacy takeaway side um, that has a product and tech team. So all of those are being integrated um, and now in order to then yeah, work on, an, on, a, on a joint product. Yeah, so but, but, yeah but that is, but the, uh, the, I, I'm doing this like experiment always like to explain how complex uh, such a business is. It's really a tech business because if you divide uh the if you if you um take the revenue 4.5 billion divided by tech and product people 1500 then you end up with like 3 million uh per proc, uh, product tech fte mm -hmm. and um uh and this is usually though this is kind of the and, and i i did an, an experiment like with retail businesses and then this ended up between two to four million mm -hmm. so every business that started with this kind of tech uh, um, uh, proposition at which you are still in, like this kind of platform proposition, kind of have this number. So, and this also shows other potential competitors. Or let's say there's a, a big restaurant chain, McDonald's wants to do it, or Burger King wants to build something on their own. If you want to build like a one billion inside revenue business, uh, mainly driven by an online platform, you would need like 500 to uh, 500 people, maybe even more in the beginning. To build the basic infrastructure and that is kind of a misunderstanding in the market those those companies say okay we will hire like 50 people in a tech team and we will build like the next gen um fast food delivery platform or yeah. now it's sustainable organic fast food but it's still yeah. fast food yeah <laughs> so and this is a misunderstanding a misconsumption in the market uh, um, uh, uh which only can be solved by um, by sharing by sharing those numbers it's still it's still a tech play it's not like it's it's not it's not a play decided by the amount of salespeople on the street convincing Alex, the Italian restaurant owner, to come on the platform. It's really creating a better customer experience, creating an easier connect uh, connection to the to the restaurant system, or to have to 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 the onboarding process. Process must be really lean, and this is all technology. It's not uh, it's not sales. It's, it's not marketing. It's not performance marketing. 
for it's still a tech play. Would you agree? I, I think that that is uh, very much true in the perfect world um, that you know that you can solve everything with tech. But there, are, the the reality shows, uh, especially in in models where you do need to ramp up really quickly, that there's lots of uh, that there's lots of solutions still where uh, hands are needed, um, and um, especially also in an in an environment where it it's all about it's still very much about personal connection and and people get, getting convinced not by machines or you know SEO uh, um, pres presence um, but they want to see a face they want to know who they talk to um, uh, so they don't want only this um, you know let's call this this gigantic tech monster in the back that they work with and that they become um, an invisible part of, you know, they also very much appreciate the personal relationship. So we do have uh, a strong sales force and we do have uh, strong account management. So what we also try is, you know, to support the restaurant, go to the restaurant, show how they can uh, become better in running their own business, um, helping them in their own procurement, uh, helping them uh, in, you know, professionalizing and, and growing with us. So as a partner, that is very hard to um, to only do via tech mechanisms. In, in the best case, everything that is just noise or it's just administration, you should of course solve with tech. And uh, when it comes to the, the, the partner relationship, um, so as much as possible, self service uh, control for those guys, which is tech. But in the end. There's, it still helps to help have a face um, that you can talk to um, and know who to call and that comes along every once in a while. I think that still also um, is part of a proposition which makes um, restaurants decide uh, to come on board and to stay on board. I think it's, a, it's a strong, still a strong retention mechanism. But, but do you see still restaurants that say, okay, um, I don't want to give you um, the whatever take rate you are taking in the different markets, 5%, 10%, 15%. Uh, I want to do it on my own. I will convince my customers because they are eating my pizza. It's my it's my customers to order on my self-built website, whatever they are building, something um, they're trying to redirect the customers. Do you still see this kind of behavior? I saw this in the beginning uh, um, a lot when like Pizza.de was still a, a thing. So I saw like vouchers from those uh, pizza uh, uh, pizza restaurants trying to convince me not using Pizza.de, but using um, their their own pizza website, uh, So yeah. which would explain a, a certain churn rate. Do you see this behavior still or is it kind of an anecdotal evidence only? I think that it still exists. Uh, uh, for sure, and and uh, um, um, we 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 also understand um, that restaurants try to um, acquire customers um, um, uh, themselves still, right? So I think there's a this a feeling of dependence is never good, right? So they also want to keep mm -hmm. this level of independence also in that in on the delivery side, um, which is fine. So I I I, I will always, I, I assume. This behavior from the restaurant side will always persist. It's uh, it's nothing that will die out. Okay, but it, but is is this the main reason for churn? So is this like restaurants uh, say now I have built my own website, I don't want to participate in this platform, 
um, um, anymore or are even restaurants opting out um, completely out of this delivery business because now after COVID, customers are coming back into restaurants and they say, okay, I'd like, I, I have less personnel, less people in the kitchen, less people that can serve the table. So I cannot serve uh, the delivery part anymore. I want to focus on the customers in the restaurant. Is this happening now? Um, the, uh, to be very honest, there was, of course, in, in, and now coming back to that first wave two years ago, mm -hmm. we did have a massive influx of restaurants, um, that were, you know, uh, you know, fearing, um, that they, they would not have any business anymore. So they would uh, try to get yeah. on every platform. Um, and we onboarded those restaurants and that there's always, uh, when you have this large influx, uh, a quality distribution where you then see that a certain share will not be able to um, get the or get orders, manage the orders well, etc. So uh, at some point they then dropped out again. So but that was, let's call it the healthy share that was never set up or was also not intending on okay. a continuous uh, basis to to run that business uh, with us to be okay. part of the platform. But still, over the over time, we 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 are we're only growing in restaurant number it's not whether we are decreasing there there's a natural churn now happening but we don't see any uh, uh accelerated effect do you see in general a trend in the market um maybe let's take the netherlands or amsterdam um, as, a, as a particular example that there's more restaurants are opened so less retail stores uh what we see like in high street so you you don't need uh, uh, 10 H&M stores next to each other uh, where the um, city managers would say, okay, this will become like um, uh, gastro areas. So yeah. where new restaurants, whatever um, experience parks will be created. Do you see this? So is there like a net new restaurant uh, a positive quote in the markets? I think, uh, I don't think that we are there yet. Um... In the uh, for Amsterdam, for example, we we you know the uh, as you said, there's challenges with um, getting people hired that can mm. work in the kitchen that can do service. Mm. Um, so we also have these closure challenges. So in you know a net increase in uh, in in restaurant and horeca space, I don't think that's the case. I don't have the uh, the number mm. for you now, but I don't think that's the case. Just by walking outside, I see that there's you know turnaround in terms of ownership of the base that is there it's not like everything's closed now turnaround and ownership is happening um but further expansion i don't see yet but as i said in the beginning of 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 our chat it's also that in amsterdam we have you know i think uh, restaurant per capita is um over indexing versus um, a comparable city in in, in in germany or other markets so it is already at a very high rate. So if you go downtown Amsterdam, you'll find a restaurant that does delivery um, everywhere. Okay, but, but that's because of the high tourism rate and the lifestyle in, in Amsterdam. I, yeah, it's, you know, we, we always look at penetration. So for us, the market penetration gives an indication of maturity. And um, yeah, the penetration rate in, 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 in the Netherlands is for us the highest. Um, where it's you know even trending towards uh, uh, 50%, where in many other large markets, still in the UK and Germany, we're very far away from that. Um, so it's just uh, yeah, also I know from from grocery players that um, that uh, the amount of orders they get from uh, from a store in the Netherlands is just over proportionally higher than they would see what they see even in Berlin downtown. 
Okay, so let, let me sum up. Uh, uh, let me sum up what, what I've uh, what I've learned. So um, you're running a platform model, which is uh, which 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 is um, working fairly good. Uh, it's not a winner takes it all market, but it becomes more and more expensive, like for new entrants to crack exactly in the market space where you are in. Maybe we see uh, a new competition from other sites, but it's like just replicating uh, um, um, the platform play you are doing with a similar platform doesn't make sense. Um, there is like very strong lock-in effects for, for restaurants. So the better you are getting, the more convenient it's getting for the restaurant, the higher are the costs to do something on, on their own. There are there are obviously negative trends, so not not as much delivery drivers uh, as needed, not as much service personnel, personnel, kitchen personnel, for um, for the restaurants, um, obviously. But this will only um, this will only uh, uh, um, lead to situation where the very good managed restaurants and platform uh, will have a better game. So there's like a squeeze out of um, yeah badly managed chains. Uh, um, I would. I would say, and there's still tremendous growth potential. I don't know how many restaurants we have like worldwide or in all the markets where you're operating. You're operating now with 600,000 restaurants. I guess there's like just alone in the markets you're operating another 6 million you can get or so. Probably, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, or maybe even, maybe even even more, uh, which is uh, uh, which is really cool. And um, and you um, and you confirmed that there was not a single spike in customer acquisition cost digital. So there were like different spikes depending on um, on time and market uh, uh, momentum, which is kind of normalizing uh, yeah. uh, now. Uh, again, very uh, uh, very entertaining. Thank you for your time, uh, uh, Christoph. And and now I will install like uh, uh, the app here, and let's see if in my very small town I'm living in, if there's any any offerings um, from Liferando. Thank you. I'm pretty sure there is. <laughs>